All right, always good to be with you. Thanks everybody joining us online. Can we give some praise to God this morning for the breath in our lungs, the heartbeat, the blood in our veins. We have another day to wake up. We forget the gift that it is. I love that song that we sang. Uh, Lord, if I'm not dead, then you're not done. God, there, there's still some work that you're doing in me. If you're watching online, just give some praise to God. Say, thank you, God, for today. Uh, if you're watching online, just put that in the chat as we celebrate this reality that God is at work. We sang the words, grace rewrote my story. Uh, God's doing something in my life. That's what we're going to explore today is the power of God's story as it's interwoven with our stories. <clears throat> but before we get into that, let me give you a glimpse of next week. Because if you're here today, uh, you want to come back next week. If you're joining us online, you want to show up next week because we got some cool things happening next Sunday. Uh, number one is we're going to wrap up uh, the series that never ends. We're going to wrap it up next Sunday as uh, Pastor Hunter is going to lead us as we wrap up the book of Acts. And we're going to talk about when bad things happen, when stuff happens. How do we shake it off and keep moving forward? But not only that, but next Sunday uh, is our first ever Connect Sunday. And we're going to have some time just, you know, to reconnect with each other down in third place. Uh, to my right, your left, we're going to have some goodies and snacks and things for you to enjoy and just be able to enjoy being each other. And in the hub, uh, at both hours, 9, 30, 11, our, my good friend John Hugh Tate and a friend of Get Well is going to be with us sharing what he's gonna, about to do with his family as they move to France and uh, plant a church there in Paris and just exciting things happening in him and his life. Life and what God's doing, and we want to hear all about that. So you can go to worship one hour, and then go get some snacks and talk and fellowship, and then go hear what John Hugh Tate and his family are doing as they move to Paris, France. So make sure you're here next Sunday. You don't want to miss. But today we're talking about story, the power of story. Now there's something about the human mind, the human heart, the human soul that resonates with story. There's something about us and the way we're wired and just humankind that story has a significant power to speak truth to us at the deepest level, to move us toward the life that God wants for us that we want to have. I mean, think about it. When Jesus wanted to teach a, a deep life truth rooted in the kingdom of God, what did he do? He told a story. Or just think about in the world that we live in, right? If people want to begin a movement, they want to move the heart and the mind of people. If they want to really speak a deep truth, they don't go through a list of facts and bullet points. What do they do? They write a book. Uh, they make a movie. They write a song. They write a poem. We tell truth through story because our hearts and minds resonate with the power of story. And what makes a good story? It's not just the character and the setting and the plot. There's, there's something more to a, a narrative that makes a good story that resonates with our heart, mind, and soul. I mean, one of the things that, that moves the heart of people is that a good story invites us in that somehow we can find our place in that story. 
Another part of a really good story is that it points us to something bigger than us. That in the story, and what this, this thing that we're wrapped up in, invited into, moves us to think about, wow, there's more to life than just me. And there's something greater that I could be living for. And here's the thing, is that the story of God, the unfolding, ongoing story of God, does both of those things. It is invitational that we're invited into God's story. It's not just about a guy who lived 2,000 years ago. It is about what God is doing in my life and calling me to do today. And as we're invited into God's story, it is inviting us to dream about being some, a part of something so much bigger than what we could have ever imagined. Now, as we've been reading through the book of Acts, I hope that one of the things that you've seen, I hope that you are reading through uh, the book of Acts with us. It's not too late to jump in just where we are and, and catch up on this last week of reading. But as we read through the book of Acts, you'll see that the early church did not come declaring, uh, here are three points you need to understand. And what did they do? They said, let me tell you a story. Let me share with you about this man let me share with you about this God. Let me share with you about what's happening in my life. And the, the miracles and the circumstances and the relationships and the events. They shared a story and invited people into it. Over the last several weeks, we've been talking about, about a guy named Paul. And Paul traveled all over the known world in the first century. And he did the very same thing. He went and he said, let me tell you a story about a guy named Jesus. And let me tell you a story about how I encountered him. Let me tell you a story about I was living for one thing and, and I thought I had it all together and I thought I had it all planned out and I, I thought I, I knew what was important and I was living for religion and I was living for, for power and I was living for reputation and I was living for authority and I, I thought all these things were so important until I met this guy named Jesus who had died and he rose again and I was on the way to Damascus and I met the risen Jesus. Let me tell you a story about what he's been doing in my life. And he made not one, not two, but three trips around the known world at that time, telling the people the story about Jesus and inviting them in to tell them, Jesus wants to get a hold of your story too. He wants to do something in your life. He wants to do something through you and around you. The story unfolds after his third trip. He's traveling back to Jerusalem, wants to make it there uh, for Pentecost. And the story unfolds and Paul is arrested. And what happens? He, he goes before trial and he's going to be uh, killed by these group of Jews that, that want Paul out of the picture. So they take him to the coast city of Caesarea. Caesarea Maritima, and he stands trial there, not once, not twice, but three times. And he's going to stand trial uh, before uh, Felix and Festus and Agrippa before going to Rome to stand trial again. And as he's standing trial before these governors and rulers and, and King Agrippa, he doesn't say, well, let me unfold my doctrinal viewpoints for you. Let me give you the facts and figures. No, he says, let me tell you a story. And we see the power of story unfold. And there's two things that I want us to reflect on this morning. Number one is I want us to think about how do we tell our story? Because if you're living and breathing, you've got a story. 
And you may not know all the ins and outs of your story. You may think it's your story. You may not know how God's story is interweaving with your story, but God has a story for you to live out. And I want us to think about how do we tell our story. And then I want us, number two, to reflect on the power of story when we embrace God's story in our lives. So let's take a look as Paul shares his story in Acts chapter 26, and we're going to start in verse 9. If you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 26, starting in verse 9. I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus, the Nazarene. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem. Authorized by the leading priest, I caused many believers there to be sent to prison. And I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had them punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down in foreign cities. Now here's the first thing that Paul wants to make clear. Before he begins to unfold the story of Jesus, and more importantly, how the story of Jesus has gotten interwoven in Paul's story, he wants to make it very clear that, hey, there was a moment, a season in my life where I didn't want anything to do with Jesus. I wasn't chasing after Jesus. I wasn't pursuing Jesus. I had another plan for my story. But something happened that changed everything. And I began to understand that I had a need that I never knew I had. So here's where we begin with our story for you and I, as we be honest about our need for Jesus. Be honest about our need for Jesus. This is where Paul began. Is I didn't realize I had a need for Jesus. See, every single one of us, we come to God, we come to Jesus in the very same position. We're all in the same boat. Number one is that we're all in desperate need for grace. Every single one of us. We, we are beyond our understanding of need for forgiveness and grace and mercy. That every single one of us, we hurt ourselves and others. We're prideful. We're selfish. We don't know wisdom. We don't know the right decisions. And we fail and we fall and we mess up. Number two is that there's not one of us that deserves grace. We're in desperate need of it, but we don't deserve it. We, we are completely in need of God's initiation to move in our lives. And number three is that many of us, as we come to Jesus, we either don't know that we need grace or we don't know, even though we know we need it, we don't know it's available to us. And so God moves in our lives in ways before we ever realize it's possible or that we need him to move. So this is where Paul had to come to grips. Because what's Paul doing? Paul is pursuing his life. He's got his plan. He's got his agenda. And he's banking on two things, belief and behavior. He thinks he's going to believe and behave his way into God's kingdom. He's going to believe all the right things and behave in the right way. And if he does it based on what he can do, then he can earn the favor of God. That was Paul's position in life. I've got to follow every rule and dot every I and cross every T and do it all exactly the right way so that God will receive me into his kingdom. 
And the amazing thing is that Paul had no desire or understanding that he needed grace. He thought, you know what, I've got this. And he's zealous and he's passionate. And many of us are kind of in that same position. We might believe with our mind that we know we need grace, but we spend all of our time and energy just trying to earn it. And we're overwhelmed with guilt and we're overwhelmed with shame and we're overwhelmed with regret because we're unable to surrender ourselves to the love and the mercy and the grace that God is giving through Jesus. See, Paul didn't know that he needed it. And Paul thought he was doing just fine. He thought he had his life together. He thought he was heading the right direction. And there's many of us that don't know that we need the grace of God, not because we don't know that it's available, but because we think we're doing just fine, right? We've got our house. We've got our cars. We've got our activities. We've got our friends. We've got, we're busy. We're doing our thing. See, some of us, we don't come to Jesus because we don't believe we're good enough. We think we've fallen and God couldn't love a God like me. And we need to hear the truth that God's grace and mercy is available to all. But some of us don't come to Jesus because we just think we got it all together. See, here's the truth is that Jesus did not come into the world just to save people who think that they're not good enough or think that they can't measure up. Jesus came to save the people who are puffed up with pride and think that they've got it going on. And every single one of us, whether we like to admit it or not, have been in that place of pride. Or we think, well, I can do this. I got it figured out. See, Jesus came not to save people who are hurting and, and know it. Jesus came to save people who are dead and need to be brought to life. And so we've, we've got to reposition ourselves and rethink about what is Jesus coming to do? I think about my own story. Uh, growing up, I, I moved around a lot. As we were going all the way up to high school, I moved around about once a year. And I kind of develop this mindset as you move and you're always meeting new people and you're always, you know, in a new place. I kind of developed this mindset that, you know, life is just one big interview, you know, and my job as a human being is to uh, always impress, always be the best, and never give anybody a reason to reject me. And so I put all of my eggs in that basket and I was like, I'm going to be the best athlete and I'm going to be the best student and I'm going to be the class clown and I'm going to do all these things so that every time somebody meets me, they will receive me and I'll be accepted. You know what comes along with that? When you put that kind of pressure on yourself, is a lot of weight. You know what also comes with that? There's a lot of not measuring up to your own expectations. And so as I grew into high school in my teenage years, I was overwhelmed with regret and shame and depression and anxiety and fears and, and just got in a messed up place because I thought, you know what, this, this is all on me. Until in my life, Jesus encountered me and rescued me and, and reminded me and helped me to understand it's not about what I do for Jesus, it's about what Jesus has done for me. And that invited me into a greater story than being the best student and the best athlete and the funniest and whatever it might be. And that's what Jesus wants to invite us into as well. As I say, it's not about you figuring it out. It's about you coming to me because I've got it figured out. And I want to do something in your life. I want my story to become your story. That's what Paul had to, to learn. As that Jesus had a greater story for him than Paul could write. 
And so Paul begins to, to lay that out in, in this next verse, verse 12. Acts chapter 26, verse 12, he says this. One day I was on such a mission to Damascus, armed with the authority and commission of the leading priests. About noon, your majesty, as I was on the road, a light from heaven brighter than the sun shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. What changed it all for Paul, his Hebrew name Saul, what changed it all for him was that he met the living Jesus. I love this. Just a little aside, a little extra. You know, what, is, what does Jesus do? He calls him by name in his language. You know, what Satan does is he calls us out by our sin and says, you're not good enough. And Jesus says, I'm going to call you by name because you belong to me. And that's what Jesus does. And, and this encounter with Jesus set Paul on a trajectory that he could have never imagined was possible. And that's what Jesus wants to do with us. He wants to get a hold of our lives and inviting us into a greater story. So here's what you and I can do as we share our story. Be excited about our encounter with Jesus. I mean, how many times do we lose sight of our first love and we grow weary of the excitement we had when we first began to understand that the God of the universe died for me. He wants to set me free. He wants to live in me. He wants to love me. And we were so overwhelmed with that reality. And then time happens and life happens and responsibilities happen and things happen. And we're like, well, yeah, I'm going to be in heaven one day. And I'm just, you know, doing my thing right now. Now we can be excited about our encounter with Jesus because following Jesus does not get, get less exciting. Following Jesus gets greater and greater in intensity and adventure and the greatness of God's story. If I've been following Jesus for 20 years, it should be more adventurous and exciting and fearful and, and requiring faith in me than it did in day one. Because the story of God, it doesn't get easier it doesn't mean troubles go away. It just means that I'm invited into a bigger story. Something bigger than what I can write or control as much as I want to control it. It's bigger than me. A couple of weeks ago, I had coffee with some new friends of mine. And they were sharing with me what God was doing in their life. And they sharing this story with me of, of God had invited them to go be a part of a project in, in another state and they were going to travel and they were going to be a part of this that was kind of tied to their, their career path. But it was a little bigger than that because they saw windows to share the gospel and, and to tell people about Jesus and they were super excited about it. There's just one big problem is that they could not find a way to fund the project that they were going to do. And so they did everything. They sold the t-shirts and they did the, you know, the fundraisers and they, they did all this week after week after week after week. And there was nothing. I mean, they just could not raise the money. And I thought, you know, God, I thought you were calling us to do this. And, and, and you know, it's just nothing that, nothing's working out until they did what all of us do. And we get to this place where we're like, we've exhausted every resource we have. And we didn't go to the primary resource to start with. And they fell down on their knees and they said, God, if you want us to do this, then you got to make it happen. 
And within the next 48, 48 hours, the money just funneled in and flowed in and funded that project that they believed that God was calling them to do. So they traveled up there and, and they, you know, they did the first part of the project and they had some opportunities and the story's unfolding. But I share that story because of one comment that absolutely blew me away as we were having coffee that day. We we're praying for what God was going to do and we we're talking about it. And they said, you know, Jonathan, we spent our whole lives believing in Jesus. But we never really knew that there was more than just believing the right things. We never knew that there was a life of such adventure and such fearful steps that required actual faith of us. We never knew that that was possible. And we feel like we're just setting out for the first time on a wild adventure with God. I wonder how many of us are reducing our faith to just believing the right things. And we have no idea that God wants to have an adventure with us. When you're living an adventure with God where you don't know what's coming tomorrow or next week or no, next month and what God is going to do in you or through you, how God's going to do a miracle or call you to trust him, that kind of life, yeah, it's scary, but it is so exciting. And it's impossible to forget the love of Jesus when I'm living that kind of life with him. But how quickly we fade, right? There's some signs that we can watch out for to think, you know, I might be losing my excitement about my encounter with Jesus. One of the things we got to watch out for is boredom. All right, how many of us show up Sunday after Sunday after Sunday or we're watching online week after week and we go to our Bible study and we're reading our Bible and we're doing all the right things and man, we're just bored. We're bored with life, we're bored with Jesus, we're bored with our careers, we're bored with our friends and our routines. We're busy. My goodness, we couldn't get any more busy. We're worn out and we're exhausted, but we're bored because we're not living for the greater things. We're not embracing the adventure that Jesus, we're saying to him, you know what, I, I, I can't quite trust you, so I'd rather be bored with what I can control than have just be blown away by stepping into what's completely out of my control. Because we've forgotten our first encounter with Jesus. We get bored. Some of us, it's not boredom, but we just get bitter. And the things that once not, didn't for, bother us are now bothering us. And we get irritable and we get frustrated and our tempers get short. And we're tired and we're weary and we're bitter. We're bitter with the world. We're bitter with our families. We're bitter with our friends. We're bitter with our career. We're bitter with God. And we start to ask God, why aren't you doing what I asked you to do? Instead of asking God, what are you calling me to do? We can grow bitter with him. Some of us, maybe it's not boredom. Maybe it's not bitterness. We're just burned out. We're trying so hard to do everything in our own power. We're trying so hard to keep control of the story and not surrendering it to Jesus that we are exhausted and weary and tired. We're numb. We don't feel the way that we used to feel. Rather than entering into pain with others and loving them, we keep them at an arm's distance because we've got nothing left to give. Why? Because we've emptied our tank of everything that we can do and we've never let Jesus continue to fill us up with living water. The Spirit of God who continues to overflow His life in us. So many times, guys, brothers and sisters, where I've tried to do ministry on my power without the power of God and every single time I begin to flirt with burnout. 
because I've forgotten the excitement of life with Jesus. So how do, we, how do we reckon with that? How do we come back to our first love? How do we get excited about our life with Jesus again? Well, there's some steps we can take. And one of the things that we can do is to reflect on and remember our encounter with Jesus. Some of us have had a long journey where we've gotten to know Jesus over time. Some of us had to get smacked in the face with life and with trouble to meet Jesus. But wherever we come from, many of us have encountered Jesus in our life. And we need to reflect on and think back on how we've encountered Jesus in our lives. Something else that we can do is just reflect on our rescue story. How has Jesus shown up in my life and rescued me when I didn't know what to do next, when I didn't know what the answer was going to be, when I had that sickness or that problem or that, that brokenness, and Jesus showed up and he rescued me to, to remember that and to reflect on it. I think, wow, God is amazing because the God who was then is the same God today. And maybe I can reflect on the ongoing work of God in my life. What is Jesus doing in me today? How is he growing me? How is he orchestrating relationships or events or circumstances that are pushing me and pulling me into his kingdom work? And then <clears throat> I think all of us would be healthy for us to reflect on not just the feelings and experiences and what we see and hear, but just the historical reality that Jesus is the son of God that 2,000 years ago, that there really was a man who came and showed us the face of God and, and shared with us the voice of God and he taught about the kingdom of God and he told everybody, I'm gonna give my life, I'm gonna die on the cross and I'm gonna three days later rise from the dead. And he did it. I've said it many times from this platform, all the Jewish leaders and Roman leaders had to do to stop the movement of Jesus was to take his body when he was dead and paraded all over the Roman Empire and that movement would have stopped. But they couldn't do it because he had risen. It was a historical fact that Jesus was alive. And his disciples and followers, they grew and they, they told the story of Jesus and, and they shared with them, here's how I've messed up and how I've failed and I'm not the hero of the story. Jesus is the hero of the story. And they gave their lives for the truth of Jesus. And we can know that this Jesus who was, he still is and he will be. It is a fact that all the evidence points to the truth that Jesus is the son of God who came to save sinners. And he's still working in my life. He's still working in your life today. And we can celebrate it. That's what Paul understood. Is that Jesus didn't just show up in Paul's life and say, all right, Paul, uh, I'm going to, I want to show myself to you because I want you to see that I'm real so that I can forgive you. And one day you'll go to heaven and then we're done with you. No, what, Paul, what Jesus came to say is, Paul, I've got a life for you. I've got a story for you that's going to be unfolding and you've got no clue what I'm about to do in your life. Look at what Paul said verse 16. Now get to your feet for I've appeared to you. Why? to appoint you as my servant and witness. Paul, this story's about to get crazy. You have no idea. Tell people that you have seen me and tell them what I will show you in the future. And I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from the darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. They will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. 
Paul, I'm going to rescue you. But Paul, I'm also going to transform you. Paul, I'm going to save you, but I'm also going to send you. Paul, I, I've forgiven you, but I'm going to free you for something greater than you know is possible. See, for every single one of us, we need to be empowered by our life with Jesus. That Jesus comes and says, I don't want to just save you. I want to send you. I don't want to just forgive you. I want to free you. I want to transform your life. See, there's power in our rescue story. We need to share it with others as much as we possibly can. But just as powerful as our rescue story is our transformation story. What gives us collateral with people is that Jesus has changed us and set us free. And we actually have joy. We have peace. We have, we have love in our our lives and people look at us and we say I don't know what you got but I want that because Jesus has changed us there's power in our transformation story and we need to be empowered by what God's doing in our life how many of us are living for the ongoing story of Jesus and me not just what he did for me but what he wants to do in me and through me pastor hunter has said this several times and I think it's worth saying again is the gospel comes to me on its way to somebody else. Paul, I don't want to just save you. I want to send you. I'm going to send you to the Gentiles, Paul. And you're going to do what? You're going to bring them from darkness to light. So here was the story of Paul. Paul thought that he could see. Thought he had it all together. What he didn't realize was that his behavior wasn't just not enough. It was actually getting in the way of what Jesus wanted to do in him. He thought he could see, but he was blind. So Jesus came and gave him sight. He brought him into the light and said, Paul, there's something greater for you. And Paul began to live his life as he was transformed. What did Jesus say? You're going to tell them what, what I will tell you in the future. It's not done today. It's still going. And I'm going to bring you into the light. And Paul began this transformation story and began to invite others into it so that they could see and hear the goodness of God. And we're called to do the very same thing. Are, are we just going to wait till heaven one day? Are we going to say, Jesus, I want to surrender to your story in me. I want to help people see where you already are. I want to help them come from darkness to light. And I know it can be overwhelming and it can be scary and it can be frightening. And most of us are not able to, to bring just this full light into the room of people's lives. But you know what we can do? Is we can light a candle. One at a time. Sharing our story with people. We see what Jesus has done in me. We see what Jesus is doing in me. And continue to just light a candle in the lives of people. That was the heart of Paul. He, he closes out his, his conversation with him. In verse 24, he says this. Suddenly Festus shouted, Paul, you're insane. <laughs> Too much study has made you crazy. But Paul replied, I'm not insane, most excellent Festus. What I'm saying is the sober truth, and King Agrippa knows about these things. I speak boldly, for I'm sure these events are all familiar to him, for they were not done in the corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Agrippa interrupted him. Do you think you can persuade me to become a Christian so quickly? And then look at this. Paul replied, whether quickly or not, 
I pray that God to God that both of you and everyone here in this audience might become the same as I am, except for these chains. What Paul is saying is, listen, I know you think you can see. I did too. I know you think you've got it all together. I did too. But I couldn't see what I didn't know was there. I didn't know what I didn't know. And Jesus has done something in my life that I want for you. I want you to step from darkness to light because there's a greater story. The whole purpose of of Paul going through that litany, he knew he was going to Rome. Understand that. His eyes were set on Rome. From the beginning, uh, he came, he was going to ask to go to Caesar. He did not have to do any of this. He didn't have to defend himself. He could have just said, I'm a Roman citizen, send me to the emperor. Instead, he spent this time with them, sharing his story over three years, over and over and over again, sharing his story because this is what he wanted, that you might become the same as I am, wrapped up in the story of Jesus. We can get wrapped up in that story and invite others to. I want to ask you to just reflect on your story today. Would you reflect on what Jesus is doing in your life? So we have to be sharing our story. That that doesn't just mean I'm willing to. There's a difference between willing to and looking to. We need to be looking to share our story, waiting for the opportunity. And to be able to do that, we need to to get ourselves wrapped up in the story of Jesus. So here's what I want to do is just want to ask you to reflect on what's your rescue story? How did you encounter Jesus? How has Jesus set you free and and done miracles and and shown his love to you? What's the ongoing story of what Jesus is doing in your life? How is the historical Jesus, the, the Son of God, inviting you into something bigger than you? And you might just be here or you might be watching online and you might be struggling with that you might be saying, you know what? I'm not really sure where Jesus is in my story. I believe in him. I know about him. I want to go to heaven. Maybe I even said a prayer. Jesus, forgive me. Maybe I'm even doing all the behaviors and all the beliefs. But I'm not sure Jesus is wrapped up in my story. Or better yet, I'm not sure I'm wrapped up in his If that's where you are, brothers and sisters, do not be deceived. We are saved by faith, trusting in Jesus, not by church membership, not by prayer, not by a Bible study or a mission trip. We're saved by taking our lives and coming to Jesus and saying, I am yours. Because you've made me your mine. You've made yourself mine. If your story is not wrapped up in the story of Jesus, today could be that day where you come and you surrender yourself to him and say, I'm tired of living with control. I'm tired of being bored and bitter and burned out. I want you and, and your story. I'm willing to be scared for the adventure that you're inviting me into. And so every single one of us, we're in one of a few places. Either 
we need to take that next step in God's story or we need to come back and remember what we've been invited into or we might just need to step into Jesus' story for the first time in our lives and say yes to him. So if you'll stand, we're gonna, I'm going to pray. I'm going to sing one more time. As we do each and every week, these altar rails are going to be open and available. If you'd like to come and pray about anything at all, you can come and pray. And you can wave one of us over and we'll come pray with you if you like that. But I'm going to add one thing different today. We're going to head out. We're going to go to our classes and we're going to go to lunch. Or we're going to go home. We're going to do whatever we want. And people are going to file out. After that happens, between now and the next service, I am going to be up here. Pastor Hunter's going to be up here. Kim's going to be up here. If you're not sure about Jesus' place in your story, I want to invite you to come talk to one of us. Don't spend another second of the story that we can write that's going to have an ending. Let's get into the never-ending, eternal, wild story of God. So if that's you and you're not sure, let's, let's, let's tackle that today. Let's do it together. So let me pray for us. We'll sing, see what God's going to do. Let's pray. God, thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you for the amazing story that you invite us into, God. It requires trust. It requires faith. It requires surrender. But it is amazing beyond our wildest imagination. Help us, help us to step into your story, Jesus. Help us to trust you not just to get to heaven one day, but to have you today, to have the Holy Spirit today, to have the kingdom of God today. Forgive us for losing sight of our first love. God, we want to come back. We want to get excited again. We want to get energy and empowerment again. And for those of us, Lord, who've been on the outskirts of your story and we're right there and we're familiar with it, but we've never stepped into it. God, let today be the day. Holy Spirit, reveal to us your call on us wherever we are today, Lord, and help us to say yes to you. It's in Jesus' name and in the power of the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen.